Welcome to Tour of Truth. I'm Krista Smith. I have a difficult story to share with you, but I feel compelled to share it because I believe that there's someone who needs to hear it. We lost our 18-year-old daughter to a heroin overdose just a few months ago on September 29, 2018. Since then, I've had several of her friends reach out to me, some who are struggling with addiction, some recovering, and I've had multiple parents contact me asking for advice because they've recently found out that their children are on heroin and they don't know what to do. So here's our story, Caroline. She would make you laugh for as long as you were with her. She would walk into a room and she'd embarrass people who took themselves too seriously. It was kind of her way of leveling the playing field. She was very empathetic. She felt very deeply and she loved deeply. She became hard to love at times. Looking back, there may have been a lesson or two for all of us on learning how to love unconditionally. There really wasn't a person that Caroline couldn't love. She accepted everyone. Caroline was herself. She was authentic wherever she went, and she was brave in that way. She wasn't afraid to face the truth. She went to private Christian school from second grade through her freshman year. She was involved in soccer and volleyball. She was an incredible artist. She was a talented musician, and she was a writer. She was a very deep thinker, and she was a deep feeler. And after she passed away, I found a few poems that she had written in her nightstand. And so I'm going to share those with you to kind of get a glimpse into Caroline's heart. She wrote, Women like me are always searching for sight in a world blinded by lights. We walk with fervor in our eyes, affirmations in our mouths, passions on top of passions, surviving in our own beat-up hearts. Women like me are treasures without chests. We know about love beyond ideologies and beauty beyond our own poetic words. We exist between spaces, leaving a trail wherever we go. And then she wrote, Did I lose myself or just lose focus? Perhaps we give so much of ourselves away that we feel like essential pieces of ourselves go missing. We give ourselves away to past regrets and present aspirations, to missed opportunities and everyday miracles, to harsh realities and unattainable daydreams, to lost childhoods and ill-prepared adulthoods. I'd like to think we'd never lose something so precious if we could help it. Caroline wasn't just a junkie. She'd only been using heroin for a few months before it took her life. It started with one pill given to her by a friend from high school. She was an instant addict. She didn't realize that she was exchanging her life in that very moment, but she was. Unfortunately, I've had to learn a lot about addiction. Until I saw it still my daughter, I never had much sympathy for those who struggled. To be honest, I just didn't understand it, and I thought that they were just being weak and selfish, and maybe they should just make better decisions and stop. But I can tell you with all certainty that Caroline wanted to stop. As a child, she had the strongest will that I've ever seen, but she couldn't do it. There are many people who have a pregenetic disposition to addiction, and you really don't know if you're one of those people until it's too late. When she took the first pill, it affected the receptors in her brain. She experienced a euphoric high that lasted about 45 seconds, and some other effects peaking within a, an hour or two. But the problem is that the next time that she took the same amount of the drug, she wouldn't get the same feeling because since the receptors in her brain had been affected, now her body would need a higher dose to feel the same high. 
it lulls you in. And then this just keeps happening and the physical cravings become stronger and more overpowering. The next problem is now you need more drugs because basically that's all you think about. Oxycontin sold illegally usually costs between $30 to $60 for a single 80 milligram pill. This is why people end up turning to heroin because it's considerably cheaper and you can get a bag for $10 to $20. But heroin doesn't stay inexpensive for very long. It's actually extremely addictive and when the addiction takes hold, a person can easily spend $150 to $200 a day on the drug. Caroline was fighting for her sobriety. She would go 70 days sober and we had hope. She was happy and she was talking about college and getting her life together. But the addiction just kept stalking her until it took her down. Admittedly, Caroline had another problem and that was her friends. She was too easily influenced and she wanted people in her life. She saw the best in them even when they were bad for her to be around. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. This is so true. If you're struggling, you can't hang around toxic friends. You have to let them go. It's a trap and it'll pull you down every time. Her father and I would tell her often that she needed to stay away from certain people. She wouldn't listen because she cared about them. She had been sober for a while and she shared with us that one of her friends she met in rehab had relapsed and was kicked out of the sober living. So since her friend didn't have anywhere to go, Caroline gave her her gym card so that her friend could take a shower because she was basically homeless and Caroline felt bad for her. She would talk to her regularly on the phone. As we were talking with Caroline, we were explaining to her that sick people can't help sick people. She wasn't strong enough. And guess what? Eventually, her friend brought drugs to her at the sober living house and she relapsed. And so now Caroline was also kicked out of sober living. Caroline really hated that she had relapsed. She was trying very hard. She called me crying and she felt so bad. She was on her way to a detox center once again. She said she felt like she was trapped. She told me she wished she had never even tried it once. Because once the door is opened, you lose your own free will. The first part of this story I've shared for those who may need to hear this message and realize that it's just not worth trying not even once. The next part I'm sharing is what happened next. And I'm sharing this for those of you that are maybe watching someone you love that's being held captive by addiction and you don't know what to do. So I mentioned that I've had people asking me for advice, but I don't believe the advice that the world can offer can fix this problem. The Center for Disease Control said that more than 72,000 people died from overdoses in 2017. They don't even have the numbers out yet for 2018, but it's even more than that. The rising overdose numbers make the drug epidemic deadlier than gun violence, car crashes, or AIDS, which have never killed as many people in a single year. It represents nearly 200 people dying a day from overdoses every day. More people died from a drug overdose and opiates in one year's time than the number of people that died in the Vietnam War. The numbers just continue to increase. Caroline called from detox after she relapsed two days before she passed away. She called to let me know that she was checking herself out against our wishes. We begged her to stay, but she had just turned 18 and she could sign herself out. We couldn't give her money because we knew that she'd just buy drugs. She couldn't help herself. She was sick. We told her that if she'd just stay in the program that she'd have a roof over her head and she'd be working on sobriety so she could get her life started. She refused. In a gentle voice, she explained that she was just tired of being around addicts. She said she just wanted to be around normal people. She thought maybe it would help if she wasn't always surrounded by addicts. She said she'd been through the program so many times that she knew what she was supposed to do. She just had to do it. So she told me that she was sorry. She was checking herself out, but she had a sober friend coming to pick her up. She said she was going to spend the night at her parents' home. I can't 
adequately explain the feeling that I had during that conversation, other than to say that I, I felt a heaviness like never before, a burden on my heart for Caroline, as if I understood the gravity and the urgency of the time. Caroline had relapsed before, and we'd been dealing with addiction over the last year, but something was different this time. Throughout the last several years, I would always try to talk to her about God, and she would always try to change the subject. She would say, Mom, Mom, okay, I'm, I'm just not ready to talk about this. But on this particular Thursday morning, she listened for a solid 15 minutes, and I felt as if the Holy Spirit was speaking through me directly to her heart. I said, Caroline, I need you to listen to me. I'm worried about you. I know that you know all about God, but I'm not sure if you actually know God. I said, I know they teach you in the 12-step program to say prayers, but I want you to understand something. Until you truly repent and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, He doesn't hear your prayers. The Bible says that until Jesus is the Lord of your life, that we're an enemy of the cross. You can't overcome this addiction on your own. You aren't equipped unless the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. Until that happens, you won't have the tools. You won't have the ability to overcome this disease. But Caroline, if you'll just tell the Lord you're sorry, the Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. Then you just need to repent because the Bible says that the kind of sorrow that the Lord is looking for is one that leads us to repentance. And there's a sorrow that's worldly that leads to death and a sorrow that's godly that leads to life. And the one that's godly leads us to repent. So I explained this to her and I said, you need to be sorrowful and repent and tell the Lord that you don't know how to do this on your own and that you need him to help you. Caroline, when you do that, he'll break these strongholds over you. There's nothing you've done that's too big or too wrong. He is pursuing you. He is waiting for you with open arms. He's waiting for you to surrender and make him the Lord of your life. And I told her, I am saying these things to you because I love you and I'm your mother. I'm telling you the truth and I want you to hear me. She didn't interrupt me even once. And when I was finished, she told me that her ride was there. But she said, Mom, I listened to what you said. When we hung up. I got on my knees in my kitchen floor with my hands in the air and tears streaming down my face. I said, Lord, are my hands clean? Please, Lord, rescue my daughter. Save her from the pit. And I started rebuking Satan and commanding him to let go of her. And I begged the Lord to deliver her with my whole heart. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I was standing on that promise that day. When I finished praying, I called my friend Teresa Gardner, and I told her that I had just talked to Caroline about God and that she listened. And this is the first time that I have ever called any friend to tell them that I just talked to my child about God. That's not something that I would normally feel the need to share. But there was something different about it. And I just wanted to share it because I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking right through me to Caroline. And so I shared that with my friend. I'm so glad that I did because I can look back at that and really know that I wasn't just conjuring up the idea of that feeling so different. There was really something different about that particular moment. That night at 2.14 a.m., 
On September 28th, I got a text from Caroline, and it said, Mom, I think I just found God. She called me, and with sheer excitement in her voice, she said, I have to tell you what happened. God showed up for me. He's never shown up for me before, Mom. He's real. And she told me something happened that night, and she wasn't able to stay at the friend's parents' home. They wouldn't let her stay because, well, she was an addict, so they didn't trust that, and I don't blame them. But she didn't call us. She said that she didn't call because she knew that we would just tell her to go to rehab. So she said that the parents dropped her off at a bowling alley. She said she saw a Narcotics Anonymous meeting that was happening at the same time across the street. So she went into that meeting. When it was over, she hadn't told anyone her situation. She didn't know anyone there. And everyone left. And now it was after 11 o'clock at night. And she was in the parking lot alone. And it was starting to get a little sketchy, in her own words. And she was scared. And at this point, you know, it kind of takes a lot for Caroline to be scared because, you know, she's been around some bad stuff, you know, dealing with drug dealers and such. She said she was scared. And she said that there was a prostitute that had started speaking with her. And she told Caroline that when she came back, they could get high together. So Caroline's telling me this story because, like I said, Caroline would tell you everything. She was very honest, if nothing else. She said, "Um, but mom, I didn't want to get high. But I was scared and I had no money and nowhere to go. She said, so I prayed. She didn't tell me what she prayed exactly. But I had just explained to her just hours before the only way to be sure that God would hear her prayer. So she told me that she prayed and she said she asked God to help her. And she said that as soon as she finished the words, help me, she got a text on her phone with one word. It said, persevere. A minute later, she got another text from the same person, and it said, Oops, sorry, wrong number. At 11 p.m., at the precise moment she prayed and asked God to help her, she gets a wrong number text with a biblical word, persevere. Just a few minutes more, and she sees a guy coming out of a vape shop locking up, and he asked her what she was doing out there so late because it was dangerous. And she told him her situation and that she didn't have anywhere to go. She told him that she was thinking of calling a dealer, but she's trying to stay clean. So he told her, he said, don't call the dealer. He said, you can stay with me. He said, I live with another guy, but it's okay. We'll figure it out. So she called me from his house, which, you know, that's not a great situation in itself, but it seems like God's intervening. So I was going with the good parts of this at the moment. She called me from his house and told me this story you know, that she gets this text persevere. Someone comes out of nowhere and gives her a place to stay. And she knew it was no coincidence. She knew it was God. She was excited and she believed. The next day she called me from her girlfriend's house. She had gone back to spend time with the same friend that she wasn't able to spend the night with. And she had been researching to find something that could help her stay sober. So she started telling me about an implant that would stop cravings. And also, it wouldn't let you overdose. And it lasts for six months. I'm saying that to say, this is how badly that she wanted to be clean. She was on a mission trying to figure out what could help her stay sober. So I immediately got on the phone and I found a doctor in Arizona who said that they could see her in two hours. And after a physical, they could give her the implant the same day. At 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon, she was at the doctor's office to get her implant. They completed the physical and a drug test, and then they called me and they explained they weren't comfortable injecting the implant because she didn't pass the drug test. This meant that the implant could make her very sick. I begged them to give it to her anyway. She also asked them to go ahead and give it to her. She told them that she'd been sick before and she could handle it, but they wouldn't do it. They told her to come back Monday, and if she was sober, they would give it to her on Monday. Within 12 hours... Caroline had passed away at 4.28 a.m. on Saturday, September 29th. Sometimes the Lord delivers us from the fire. Sometimes he delivers us through the fire. And sometimes 
He delivers us by the fire. When Caroline texted me that she found God, I sent her a text in reply, and it was Psalm 1816. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Caroline texted me back and she said, this is exactly what I needed to happen right now. But this is exactly what he did. There were a few amazing moments that the Lord gave me after Caroline passed away. That afternoon before she had gone to the doctor, I was having this conversation on the phone and every once in a while throughout all of the years of her life, she would ask me if she was my favorite. You know, I have three children and so I would never tell her that she was the favorite because that's just wrong, right? And so I told her always that I love you all the same. I love you different, but I love you the same. And she would argue with me because she was a super strong-willed child and she just wanted to be the favorite. And so she would tell me often, I know I'm your favorite. You can tell me. I won't tell them. You can tell me, Mom. Just go ahead and say it. Tell me I'm your favorite, right? I would never, ever say that. I would argue with her even. I would never say it, and I never had said it. That Friday afternoon, she asked me out of the blue. She said, Mom, am I your favorite? And without any hesitation, I didn't even think about it. I said, Caroline, yes, you are. You're my favorite. And I remember hanging the phone up, and I just felt a little bit guilty that I said it to her, but then I just felt so happy because I knew she needed to hear it. And now, in hindsight, I look back at that, and I am just thrilled that I told her she was my favorite. So, sorry, let me get myself together. So I was in TJ Maxx, and I was looking for frames for pictures for her service. And so I'm, you know, in the frame section, and I look over, and I see on the shelf just one, one 5 by 7 chalkboard that's framed that says, you are my favorite. I just couldn't believe it. That's just not a coincidence. The timing of that is incredible. Also, two days after her passing, I was working on planning the service, and I was talking with Caroline's sister, Ashley, and telling her the songs for the funeral. And so Caroline's stepmother had chosen Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which I loved, and I told Ashley that the song that I wanted to have played was It Is Well With My Soul mostly because of everything that had happened. That song just resonated in my spirit because it really was well with my soul. And so tears welled up in Ashley's eyes and she said, Mom! And then she said, I'll be right back. And she ran out to the car, comes back in, and she tells me this story and says that she had been in a thrift shop because she restores furniture, so she's often in thrift shops looking around for old things. She said she looked around in the store and she didn't see anything, and so she went ahead and left. She was pulling out of the parking lot, and she said she just had this thing she had passed in the store pop into her mind, and she kept thinking about it, and she thought to herself, why am I thinking about that? Like, I don't know what I would even do with that. I don't need it. I don't, it's really not something that I would use or put up, but she said, I I went ahead and bought it because I just thought, well, maybe I'll do something with it eventually. So she had it in her car and it had been in the car for the last two weeks. She brings it into me and hands it to me crying and it's a framed piece of sheet music to It Is Well With My Soul. It's hanging in our piano room. Caroline loved to play piano. She was a great piano player and so it's just a neat place to have that but it's it's like a hug that God gave me. I, I was going to pick the clothes out that she would wear 
to be buried in. Her favorite store was Altered State. So I went in to Altered State and I, I found the things that I wanted to get for her. As I was walking up to check out, I passed the jewelry counter and happened to glance over and saw some bracelets. And I looked at a couple of them and there is one that says, it is well with my soul. So I bought two of them, one for Caroline and one for me. Things like that, you know, there were just so many things. I really could probably go on here for the next 15 or 20 minutes, but I won't do that because there's a couple more important things to say. But going through her things, there were so many little treasures that I found. Even a sticky note that she had written when she was nine years old and I had put it in a little box that I had to save some of her things. And when she gave me this sticky note, she was nine and she stuck it on my nightstand. She never even, she didn't even present it to me. She just left it on my nightstand. She never said anything about it. And when I read it, I thought it was so odd. It was sweet, but it was odd. I didn't know what to say to her about it. And so I never said anything to her about it. I just put it in her little box of things I was saving. So as I'm going through her things afterwards, I find this sticky note and I just broke down when I read it. It said, Mom, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Love, Caroline. I mean, (laughs) you really just can't make this stuff up because honestly, these things to me are treasures in my heart. They're just, there's so many things I could share, many ways that the Lord has just given confirmation over and over that it is well, that it is well with my soul. Within 24 hours of losing my daughter, I was in my kitchen alone, on my knees, hands in the air with tears of joy streaming down my face, listening to It Is Well With My Soul. The moment was surreal. I couldn't believe that such a moment of intense grief and despair that I could feel immense love, joy, and peace. And I'm sharing all of this to say that the guidance the world will give you is not sustainable. It doesn't last And most often, it doesn't even work. I asked the Lord to deliver my daughter, to rescue her, and he did. I would rather have her in eternity than have her here only temporarily. If you have a son or daughter that is struggling with addiction, it's a demonic force. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants nothing more than to destroy you and your children. Scripture also says that the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, but you've got to believe that. The Word of God says that if we ask in unbelief, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. We must ask in faith, believing that God is who He says He is and that He'll do what He says He will do. He is able to deliver and He is mighty to save. If your family is struggling with addiction, this is a spiritual battle. And if you're willing to do whatever it takes to find freedom and deliverance in your family, then it starts on your knees crying out to God. He promises that he will not despise a broken and contrite heart. This he will not turn away. Ask him to show you if your hands are unclean, and if they are, repent. If we don't have clean hands, then our sin can hinder our prayers. Ask the Lord to show you and to help you turn away from sin and follow him wholeheartedly. The Lord has promised that if you will seek him with all of your heart, that you'll find him and that if you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. After losing Caroline, I turned in my Bible to read the entire Psalm 18, 
Remember, I had texted her verse 16 from chapter 18, but I hadn't read the entire chapter. So I went back to read it, and my heart was even more confident than before. This is exactly what the Lord did for my Caroline. So it starts this way. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord. At the blast of breath from your nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my power powerful enemy from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And what I love about the psalm that I just read, Psalm 18, is the verse that says that he delivered me from my strong enemy, for they were too strong for me. This addiction was too strong for her. It had overcome her and he just took her home. That is why I have joy. That is what I rejoice in, is the confident hope that I know that God is faithful and he's sovereign. If she had been given the implant that Friday afternoon, the one she expected to get, chances are she'd still be here. The implant is intended to prevent an overdose, but that wasn't part of God's plan. I know there's probably someone listening that's thinking to themselves, how could she possibly think that God delivered her when her daughter died. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says, Better is the day that we die than the day that we were born, because life is just beginning. The Lord tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. We have no idea what waits for us in eternity, but we are promised that it is good for those that belong to the Lord. It has really been incredible to watch all of the ways that the Lord has used Caroline's life even after her death. There have been multiple friends, my friends, her friends, that have been led to the Lord as a result of her passing away. Conversations about faith and people growing and being strengthened and encouraged in their faith and all a result of her life being used in a mighty way. The Lord has promised in Romans 8:28 that he'll turn all things for good for those who love him. From the bottom of my heart, it is my prayer that the Lord will use something that I've said to reveal a truth that he's speaking directly to your heart today. I know the struggle and the pain of dealing with addiction and of losing 
someone that you cherish. But I also know that we need to set our eyes and our hearts on what is eternal. The things of this world are fading fast. Life is going by quickly for all of us. So I'll close from Psalm 71. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. And 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to hear another podcast or listen to a previous one, you can find us at tourofruth.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We'll look forward to talking with you again soon.